My name is Nate Mickle. You're listening to Mickles and Dimes Layer 2, where every interview is dedicated to the simple, the practical, and the underappreciated. Today's intro is a bit long, but it's worth it, so stay with me for a minute. Adam Grant is Wharton's top-rated professor, going on seven straight years. As an organizational psychologist, Adam is an expert on how we can find motivation and meaning and live more generous and creative lives. He has been recognized as the world's second most influential management thinker. Adam is the number one New York Times best-selling author of six books that have sold millions of copies and been translated into 45 languages. Hidden Potential, Think Again, Give and Take, Originals, Option B, and Power Moves. His viral piece on languishing was the most-read New York Times article of 2021. Adam hosts the TED podcast, Rethinking and Work Life, which have been downloaded over 70 million times. His TED Talks on languishing, original thinkers, and givers and takers have over 35 million views. Adam's speaking and consulting clients include Google, the MBA, Bridgewater, and the Gates Foundation. He has served on the Defense Innovation Board at the Pentagon, has been honored as a young global leader by the World Economic Forum, and has appeared on the television show Billions. He has more than 8 million followers on social media and features new insights in his free monthly newsletter, Granted. Adam was tenured at Wharton while still in his 20s and has received the Excellence in Teaching Award for every class he has taught. He curates the Next Big Idea Club along with Susan Cain, Malcolm Gladwell, and Dan Pink as they raise money to provide books for children in under-resourced communities. Adam earned his Ph.D. in Organizational Psychology from the University of Michigan, completing it in less than three years, and his B.A. from Harvard University, magna cum laude with highest honors, and Phi Beta Kappa honors. I hope you enjoy learning from Adam Grant today, because I always do. Adam, it's so great to chat today. Ten years ago, when I was publishing my memoir, you put me in touch with your own book agent, plus a number of other top agents you knew. And I always appreciated that kindness then. It's been great following your career since then, so it's especially great to talk today. Well, I'm delighted to find ways to be helpful, and we'll see if today lives up to that. (laughs) You have an uncanny ability to do just that. And as you think back, Adam, on the classes you've taught, the books you've written, the companies you've consulted with, and the speeches you've given... What lessons have you learned that you would most like to pass on to others? Oh, man, this is like choosing a favorite child. <laughs> I think there, I mean, there's so many lessons that I, I think are important. It's hard to know where to start. But I think a meta lesson is that you should be careful about listening to other people's advice because they can only tell you what's worked for them and it may or may not apply to you. I think so many people are, you know, obsessed with just collecting wisdom and lessons from people around them, forgetting that you know, other people have not taken the exact same path as you. They don't share your exact weaknesses, your identical strengths. And so it's hard for them to give customized guidance. Now, of course, if they know you well, it's easier for them to stop projecting their own perspective onto you and and take a little bit more of your viewpoint. But even then, We've all received bad advice from people we know well and trust. And this is, Nate, part of what I like about your project so much is by collecting advice and lessons from lots of different people, it allows your listeners to triangulate and say, okay, here's a a common pattern across lots of different perspectives. Maybe that applies to a lot of people. And here are two people who actually have competing views. Let me try to reconcile those and, and figure out which one is more relevant to me. How did you first learn that lesson? I actually think my mom taught it to me accidentally. 
she, I, I was, I, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my career. I, I felt like there were a lot of jobs I found interesting, but there wasn't one that was, that was grabbing me saying, you have to do this one. And then the summer before my senior year of college, it clicked. And I realized I loved psychology. Um, I was passionate about sharing knowledge and I wanted to pay forward some of the, you know, the, the extraordinary educational experiences that my professors had created for me. And I was so excited. I told my mom that I wanted to be a professor and she said, well, don't do that. Teaching's boring. <laughs> and my, my mom was a teacher and she didn't like having to stand up and perform every day. Yeah. And she didn't quite, well, she didn't quite realize that you know, the, the, the kind of teaching I was opting into was really different where, <clears throat> you know, I wouldn't be in the classroom all day, every day. I would be choosing the lessons that I taught. I would be mixing in research and uh, lots of writing and you know, all kinds of other projects. And that if I didn't like my job, it was my own fault because I would get to design it. So that was that was probably when I, I first picked up that lesson. You know, I love this too, because your mom, who brings you into this world, who knows you as well as anybody, who has done probably more good for you than maybe anybody on planet Earth, got that wrong for you. And that just shows how kind of relevant this advice can be. Thanks, mom. <laughs> <laughs> you know what though? Some, sometimes, sometimes we really discover our own motivations by pushing against people who, you know, who don't quite see them. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I like, I liked that challenge. Uh, even, you know, even just listening to how strongly I pushed back, I guess it was a version of, of self-perception theory. I found out what I valued through listening to what I said. Yeah, so great. Uh, it reminds me when I graduated from law school, I decided to not take the bar because I knew I wanted to do a PhD and I didn't want to uh, sink two months of my life into studying for a bar when I, I never planned to practice law. And I met this kind of the other extreme of your story. I met some random attorney I, I never met the guy. And within five minutes of talking, he was telling me that I most definitely needed to take the bar or I would regret it my whole life. <laughs> and I was just thinking, like, who are you? you? You know nothing about me. So whether they don't know us at all or it's your mom who knows you intimately, people can still get this wrong. Well, I, th I think actually your research has helped to shed light on this, right? You've, you've published multiple papers on overconfidence. Yeah. And it seems to be the case that once people have an experience, uh, and, you know, they discover that something is really important for them. It's hard for them to have the humility to know that it might not be a life-changing lesson or experience for everyone else. Yeah, so great. Okay, any other lessons you would most like to pass on? I think, you know, I I guess I, I'm, I'm struck by how common it is for, for people to, from a career standpoint, say, you know, the best thing you can do for the world is to achieve success and then start giving back. And I think that's backward. I think that it's through helping other people that you often achieve your greatest success. And you don't have to wait until you've accomplished a great deal and accumulated a lot of status, power, and wealth before you have something to contribute. So I would love to see people, you know, even, even as simple as, you know, offering your mentor a bit of uh, a bit of feedback on something they're working on, um, trying to to find somebody else who's you know who's trying to follow in your footsteps and giving them a bit of guidance. Um, there's no reason we all can't start doing that from day one.
I learned this lesson from you a long time ago. And my memory of this was, and, and I might get some of the details wrong and you, you can help me. Um, there was a, a time in your career where you're, I mean, I mean, you've always gotten a lot of emails and, and you're kind of uh, well known for being very responsive and helpful, even though, I mean, now the, maybe the inbox is just overflowing to unimaginable levels. But at one point in your career, if I remember right, you viewed this as like, it was, it was frustrating. Like you could, couldn't stay on top of email and you're getting all these requests. And then you had a shift in your mindset and thought like, this is a chance to help. And just by shifting your mindset, uh, it, it, it became an opportunity. I don't know if I got the facts right, but I adopted that about five years ago. So now when I get an email from a student, I look forward to that opportunity to help them out. Am I botching those details or is, is that somewhat accurate? <laughs> no, not, not botching them at all. I, look, I don't think that every email is, you know, is right. going to be a joy. <laughs> that that would be a stretch for all of us. But, right. you know, I think, I, I guess I, I remember the mindset shift happening when, uh, when somebody said to me, you know, other people's emails are not your priority. They're their priority. Like, so your inbox is just other people's priorities. And I looked at my inbox and it was filled with people giving me, um, you know, interesting ideas, sharing their knowledge, sending an article that I might find interesting. And then also people reaching out, asking for my help. And you know, part of my my mission as a professor is to try to be as helpful as I can. So yeah. the idea that this was solely a burden when it could be an opportunity to do something meaningful for someone else, uh, I, it just struck me as wrong. So I said, okay, let me let me at least recognize that some of the emails I get are, you know, are a chance to have an impact, uh, maybe in a small way, but usually a five minute email for me um, is a chance to make a lasting difference for someone else. And uh, I've, I've hated them less with that perspective. How's that? <laughs> yeah, well, that has certainly helped me just uh, hearing your approach and, and shifting my mindset and I love this lesson of don't wait to give back. I In my ethics class, I asked the students, uh, how would you define success and what do you want to do with your life? Every semester, so many and too many, in my opinion, uh, you know, just say, I want to get rich and then retire and give back. And so then we we talk through kind of this idea of, uh, you know, serving and helping all along the way. Yeah, it's, you know, it's ironic that if you ask people what their their highest values in both work and life are, Helping others is consistently at the top. So why would you save that for yeah. post-retirement when you could be doing it day in and day out? Yeah. Okay. Uh, any final lesson you would like to share as we wrap up here, Adam? Yeah. I've, okay. I've got, I've got an easy one, which is um, sometimes people give you really good advice, but you have to live the lesson to internalize it. I remember an early mentor telling me, you know, one of the dangers of loving your work is you might end up working all the time. And I wasn't really phased by it. I was like, eh, I, I'm passionate about my job. It doesn't feel like work. So I'm not going to worry too much about that. And then I remember when, um, I think it was about two months after our uh, our oldest was born, I'm like, I'm feeling this pressure on Saturday morning to be you know, waking up first thing, analyzing some data. Like, why am I doing this? Like, I don't, I don't have a boss telling me I need to work. Um, I, 
and I'm I'm not doing it just because it's fun. I'm starting to feel a, a sense of of compulsive workaholism. This is not who I want to be. And it did it really doesn't matter how many people tell you that. <laughs> you it's at least for me, it didn't I at that point I'd had multiple people kind of issue that warning and I didn't pay any attention to it. And uh, you know, I, I I have these little moments when I regret not listening not listening to it sooner because I feel like I I, I missed out on part of the anticipation of becoming a parent and uh, maybe yeah I guess yeah so I guess um, I guess what I'm trying to re- the way I'm trying to reconcile that now is is to realize hey <laughs> at least I learned it early uh, you know I didn't I, I think some people wake up and wow, my, you know, my kids are teenagers and I'm yeah. regretting how hard I worked or my kids are grown up and I wish I'd been home more. And I feel grateful that, you know, that it didn't take that long for me to learn the lesson. But even so, it, it's just a reminder that sometimes you don't really appreciate other people's lessons until you've made the mistakes they're warning you against. Yeah, it, it just makes me think of uh, being a parent. And I mean, this podcast, the, the genesis of the podcast was to like, share lessons with my kids and I just hope that they can internalize them, but there's just no substitute for experience. And sometimes you just have to live the lesson yourself, but by at least hearing the lesson, hopefully when, you know, we're a little better at pattern recognition so that when we are experiencing, we can hopefully recognize it just a little bit sooner. You got it. Well, Adam, this was awesome. I love the lessons. I look forward to uh, sharing these with my children, my students, trying to apply these lessons in my own life. So I just appreciate your kindness and wisdom and want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Nate. Thanks for listening to this episode of Mickles and Dimes. What great lessons Adam shared today. First, we should be careful about listening to other people's advice because they can only tell us what's worked for them and it may or may not apply to us. Adam learned this lesson accidentally from his mom who told him to not be a professor. Second, it's common for people to think that the best thing they can do for the world is achieve success and then give back. But Adam thinks that's backwards. It's through helping other people that we often achieve our greatest success. And finally, sometimes we don't really appreciate the lessons people share with us until we've made the same mistakes they're warning us about. Adam's mentor warned him that the danger of loving his work is that he might end up working all the time. It wasn't until Adam had a child and was feeling a sense of compulsive workaholism on Saturday mornings that he was able to step back and recalibrate his priorities. In summary, listen skeptically, but do listen. It's a simple idea. Please take it seriously. Nate Mickle here with a couple requests. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star review on your podcast player. Lastly, if you're like me and want to remember all of the lessons shared in previous episodes, visit the list of lessons page on my website, natemickle.com, to see all of the lessons that each previous guest has shared. Thanks for your support.